let's get ready to study God's Word. to one and all. Welcome to another episode of Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. This is Andrew S. Baker, and it's time for another devotional study. Please be sure to visit us at biblestudy.asbzone.com, where you can find links to our previous episodes and various Bible study resources. Let's have a word of prayer before we get into this study. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for another day of life. We invite you to be with us now as we go to study your word. Please forgive us of our sins. Help us to be attentive. Help us that the things that we say and do will bring glory and honor to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's study is entitled, At Thy Word. And our passage for this study is found in Luke 5, verses 4 and 5, in the King James Version. It says, Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night, and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. At thy word. One of my favorite passages in the Old Testament, and actually in the Bible, is found in the book of Numbers, chapter 9, verses 15 through 23. And I like this passage because of how elaborate and precise Moses is in recording it. I really believe that God had a reason for him recording it to that level of detail. So let's read this passage for a little bit. It does have a connection with our lesson, with our devotional. Numbers 9, 15 through 23. And on the day that the tabernacle was reared up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, namely the tent of the testimony. And at even... There was upon the tabernacle, as it were, the appearance of fire until the morning. So it was always. The cloud covered it by day, and the appearance of fire by night. And when the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle, then after that the children of Israel journeyed. And in the place where the cloud abode, there the children of Israel pitched their tents. At the commandment of the Lord, the children of Israel journeyed. And at the commandment of the Lord they pitched. As long as the cloud abode upon the tabernacle, they rested in their tents. And when the cloud tarried long upon the tabernacle many days, then the children of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and journeyed not. And so it was, when the cloud was a few days upon the tabernacle, according to the commandment of the Lord, they abode in their tents, and according to the commandment of the Lord they journeyed. And so it was, 
when the cloud abode from even unto the morning, and that the cloud was taken up in the morning, then they journeyed. Whether it was by day or by night that the cloud was taken up, they journeyed. Or whether it were two days, or a month, or a year that the cloud tarried upon the tabernacle, remaining thereon, the children of Israel abode in their tents, and journeyed not. But when it was taken up, they journeyed. At the commandment of the Lord they rested in the tents, and at the commandment of the Lord they journeyed. They kept the charge of the Lord at the commandment of the Lord by the hand of Moses. Now I love this passage because Moses is so explicit about who was guiding the children of Israel. Moses was the visible face of the leadership of Israel, but God was always their king. Christ was their king. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 10. Christ was their king. And they, they moved when God moved. And when God stayed, they stayed. Whether it was by night, by day, for a year, a week, a month, in the morning, in the evening, whatever the circumstances were, when the cloud lifted up, the people got ready to move. When the cloud settled over the tabernacle, the people stayed. And all of that was done at the commandment of the Lord by the hand of Moses. And it's quite interesting that throughout all of this passage, the hand of Moses is mentioned only at the very end. As Christians, we are to live our lives in the same way. We ought to be living our lives at the commandment of the Lord. Now, to someone who is not a Christian, to someone who does not have a religious experience or a pleasant religious experience, many people have unpleasant religious experiences and are jaded on account of them. But to those who have pleasant religious experiences, this should not be seen in a negative light. It looks to the casual eye like a lot of micromanagement. But at the end of the day, if we claim to be Christians, then this is exactly what it shows itself to be. We, as subjects of the king, move when the king says to move, and don't move when the king says not to move. Because we are subjects of a good king, we don't feel put out by his instruction and his direction. What does this tell us about the story in Luke? Well, let's head on over to Luke chapter 5. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 11, and there's some key lessons we want to get out of it. Luke 5, 1 to 11, King James Version as always. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him, this is Christ, to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. Okay. So Jesus, the people are pressing against him. They want to hear the word of God and he needs a little bit of space to be able to address them. And so he looks around, sees two ships there. The fishermen are not in the ships because they're busy cleaning their nets. And so he gets into one of the ships, which happens to be Simon's ship. And then he asks Simon 
to thrust out a little from the land. So Simon, the ship is obviously right near the the lake, the shore of the lake. And he asks Simon to move out a little bit further so that um, his voice, it's just a better position. Everyone can see him. His voice is going to carry to the people. And so he moves, he asks to be moved out and Simon does so. And then Jesus sits down, it says, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Okay. For how long he taught does not say. What he spoke to them of does not say. We know that it would be the kingdom of God because that's what he preached, but we don't get a specific um, parable or bit of instruction mentioned in this passage. But here's what it tells us. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. Simon, the fisherman, is thinking to himself, Huh? It's the middle of the day. <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. It's the middle of the day. We've been sitting in this boat, making a bunch of noise. People everywhere are up and bustling about. No fish in its right mind is going to be nearby. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Important lesson here. Simon expresses himself to Christ in response to Christ's request of him. And then he thinks better of it and says, you know what? Since you asked me, I'm going to do it. Since you asked me, I'm going to do it. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draft of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land. They forsook all and followed him. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. There are many important lessons that we can learn from this story. I'm going to focus on just five of them. We can express our concerns to God. One of the things as I look through the scriptures, I'm always concerned about murmuring and complaining. What constitutes murmuring and complaining? When is it bad to express disagreement or consternation with what God is asking you to do? There are many Psalms where people are crying out about their particular situation. There are times like this where Peter expresses concern about what he's being requested. 
there are times where Moses says to the Lord in response to the Lord saying he's going to feed Israel for a whole month meat for a whole month. And Moses says, will all the cattle be slain or all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to suffice them? And the Lord says, what, have I lost my strength? Okay, you'll see whether my words will come to pass or not. And if there is a rebuke in that passage, it is a mild rebuke. Moses moves on in that scenario and, and goes and communicates to Israel what he's been told to communicate. We can express our thoughts to God, but we need to be careful about how we blame him if we blame him. When we find ourselves in situations that are not pleasant, that are painful, we can tell him how we feel. But murmuring and complaining is different from what Peter does here. Murmuring and complaining is blaming God for the circumstance that we're in. And that's not what Peter did. And whatever Peter thought initially, he still moved in faith afterwards. And that's the important point. We can express ourselves to God and our concerns. That's point one. But in point two, we need to obey in faith when we understand what we've been told. Peter understood what he was told. He was surprised about it. He thought that was weird. He tried to inform Christ about the circumstance, but he thought better of it and moved forward once he had made his initial remarks. And it is important for us to move forward. Yes, it's best if we can move forward as soon as we're told. And yes, it's best if we can move forward in faith, assuredly that God will do for us what needs to be done. But even if we've got thoughts in our mind, even if we're wrestling with what is going on and how God will deliver, there is still value in obedience. It may not be as mature a position as obedience in faith, but it is better than disobedience because of doubt. Obeying even when struggling in faith is better than disobedience in doubt. It's better than disobedience in any form. Knowing what to do and failing to do it is also bad, right? So disobedience, whether in doubt or in rebellion or in slackness, in negligence, disobedience is always bad. There's never good that comes from disobedience. Obeying in faith, best option. But obeying while wrestling is also better than all of the other options. And here... Peter, although thinking to himself, well, I shouldn't say thinking to himself because he expressed it. Although saying to Christ, eh, we did this fishing thing at night when it makes the most sense to do the fishing thing and we got nothing. I'm not sure we're going to pick up anything in the day. But you know what? Because you asked me, because you told me, I'm going to go do it. And he moved in obedience because he understood what he was told. 
and our faith is strengthened through obedience. A shaky faith where you're moving in the right direction becomes a strong faith. A shaky faith does not become any stronger when you stand where you are, or when you have to be careful because we may have instructions to stand where we are. A shaky faith doesn't get stronger in disobedience. Okay? The third point is that when the miracle happens, Peter recognizes, acknowledges, confesses his unworthiness. He knows that Christ did this thing for him and he's not worthy of any of it. And we're never worthy of it because it's always a gift of God. It's always a gift of grace. It's always mercy or and or grace that God is doing awesome stuff for us. But we're not always dwelling on that. We're not always thinking about that. And when it comes to our recollection because of the magnitude of the gift or the, the some other aspect of the circumstance, we should be willing to acknowledge our unworthiness and God's great faithfulness. Lesson four, we should move forward in the new light that we have received. Meaning, when this happened to them, they brought the ships to land and forsook everything and followed Christ. Okay? Forsook everything and followed Christ. It is not good enough to simply receive blessings of the Lord and be able to have a good testimony and then go back and continue however we were. These experiences should not be isolated one-time events. They should be a pattern of growth in Christ. And the only way for that to be the case is for us to get closer to Christ. Which brings us to our last point. God has even bigger plans for us. God gave them this miracle as a starting point, as a baseline, as a token, as a promise that he would be with them in the much bigger work he was asking them to embark in. And so this miracle wasn't simply for this miracle's sake. This miracle was to give them a jump start on the bigger plans God had for them. And when we say that God has bigger plans for us, it doesn't have to be a one-time thing. Oftentimes, we pray for the Lord to put us in the right situation, to give us the right stuff, the right resources, whatever it is, expecting that we will that that will be where God wants us to be permanently. And there are many times where God puts us where he needs us to be for a time. And then when that time is over, then he moves us to another place in another situation. Right? It's about growth. It's about long term. What we see as the big time may not be. You know, Joseph is in Egypt as a slave He's sold to Potiphar's house and soon becomes the head of Potiphar's house. Okay, that's a good, that's a success story. In any book, you could finish the, the novel right there. But then he has a fall from that position, or so it seems, and ends up in a prestigious prison. 
soon he's in he's the go-to guy at the prison okay you know not not that great but still better than it was a little while prior to that next he's prime minister of all egypt in a crisis we don't always know where where god's plans will take us and we shouldn't assume that the first step is the last step we should always be looking and open to his leading through a multitude of steps and it all starts with at thy word let's be willing to listen to God's word and let's get to the place let's grow let's pray for growth and maturity so that instead of saying master this didn't work but you know what at your word I will move forward let's pray for the maturity that eventually gets us to yes master and move forward when he points out something to us Luke 5 4 and 5 says now when he had left speaking he said unto Simon launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft and Simon answering said unto him master we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing nevertheless at thy word I will let down the net let's close with a word of prayer dear Heavenly Father we thank you we thank you for your mercy and your goodness to us we thank you for the privilege we have of studying your word and seeing these key lessons help us to be responsive to your commands not to make excuses not to point out our confusion but to move forward when we know that it is you who is speaking to us. Please bless us, Lord, and keep us. And may everything that we do and say bring glory and honor to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. You can email us at biblequestions at asbzone.com. We look forward to hearing from you, whether you have questions, comments, suggestions, or concerns. Don't forget to check out the full description of this episode at biblestudy.asbzone.com to ensure that you can access the linked resources and any related podcast episodes. This podcast is available on all the major platforms such as Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, and more. Please remember us in your prayers. Until we meet again next time, may God richly bless you as you prayerfully study and share His Holy Word.